Hey, Josh. I'd expect to see you here on the beach. Well, fancy meeting you here, Jenny. What a small world. I know, what are you up to today? Oh my God, Kelly Slater's in a surf competition. Shut up, the Kelly Slater. Fuck yeah, let's go. Hello and welcome to Hot Red Shorts, uh, Gay Watch of Baywatch. Uh, we are your hosts, Denny. And I'm Josh. And today we're talking about season three, episode five, peer pressure, peer pressure. And we're gonna find out it means, but well, wait a minute, it doesn't mean both things actually. There is no peer in this episode. Huh? Oh, oh shit. shit. Never mind. There is a peer in the beginning. You're right. Go ahead, Denny. All right. So this episode aired October 12th, 1992. A couple of interesting facts of what happened on this day. There was an earthquake earthquake in Cairo where unfortunately 510 people lost their lives. All right. But on a happier note, Josh Hutcherson was born. Cause you know, from the Hunger Games. From Hunger Games and Future Man. Yes. And uh, a movie called Detention. It's really good. Okay. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, it's directed by that guy that does, uh, I might be James Wan. I don't know who it is, but it's, uh, it's a really great movie. Um, you know what else happened? There was also other sad news that day. What? Uh, there, uh, the actor John Hancock, who you don't know, like from just hearing, he died of a heart attack at the age of 51, which is very young. He was a very large, like uh, rotund black guy. And you, he was in the Dukes of Hazard, the greatest American hero, Incredible Hulk, um, uh, Airplane 2, Taxi, Knots Landing, Different Strokes, Murder, She Wrote, Benson Cheers, Who's the Boss, Family Ties, The A-Team, and uh, where I really know him from is Star Trek The Next Generation. He was in two episodes as an admiral. And then uh, he was in a movie called White Mama that stars Betty Davis, and I think we're gonna have to have to watch it because uh, here's the description. A poor elderly white woman living in a tenement in a black ghetto is befriended by a neighborhood boy. And no one to save but each other. A tale of a truly unlikely team. But what a team they made. Betty Davis stars with Ernest Harden Jr. in White Mama. So this episode surprisingly does not start with a montage, which most episodes do. Uh, but we do have uh, Kelly Slater surfing underneath a pier with a crowd watching. In the show, his name is Slade. His name is Jimmy Slade. Jimmy Slade. Jimmy Slade. And he appeared earlier in the season. Like we'll learn a little bit more about him when we get to him, but also we'll we'll, we'll just learn more about him. So uh, in the crowd, uh, we see Hobie. He it looks like he's trying. He, there's a girl in the crowd that he wants to impress. Looks like he's completely desperate. Yeah. Like like he, well, for one, he he's got his friend Landon there with him. This is the first time we're seeing Hobie having any friends. We're not going to see Landon again, or Jason, or any of the friends that are mentioned in this episode. But anyway, uh, yes, he is enamored of Jimmy's amazing surfing skills. But at the same time, he's trying to figure out a way that he can impress this Heather. We learn this girl's name is Heather. Yes. So he goes off and uh, tries to do what uh, Jimmy does. While Jimmy comes back and we find out that he was he was bet to surf under the pier, which I guess is not allowed. Well, there's some sort of regulation, I'm sure, about safety that you're not allowed to, to surf in certain areas, especially like, well, clearly right there where you're gonna cause, well, we're gonna see what happens. But besides that, he he's betting, but he makes it very clear that it's not betting on his behalf, that it's that he's raising money so that he can go to this surf competition that we mentioned earlier. That wasn't gambling. It was an exhibition, and that was your price of admission. Gotcha. And so Hobie tries to also surf under the pier, and it does not go well. No. Look! There's some kid out there! What's he trying to do? He falls into the water, but luckily Mitch just happened to be patrolling the beach right then and sees that he is in trouble. So of course he goes running in to save him. Not just Mitch, but somehow Summer appears as well on her uh, Jeep thing. So I'm just wondering how many tax dollars were spent uh, on this particular day on Hobie? Wasted, <laughs> you know? And he should know better. So Summer actually does try to help, but you notice uh, when she gets out of the truck, it kind of lurches forward a little bit, so it seems like she might have forgot to put the brake on. 
Now, it, it, it's here. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Now, I've, I've already watched the episode three or four times like I have, and I'm sure I'll watch it more after this to edit everything together, but there was like cartoon-level music playing throughout multiple scenes. Like, in this scene, there are violins playing that sound exactly like a Roadrunner cartoon or something. And, like you said, the car lurching forward. Summer has precariously parked it on a hill and we know that something's going to happen because we see it lurch a little bit mm -hmm. at first and there's a woman completely oblivious underneath it uh, just sunning herself with headphones on and that's when the violins start going and you know something worse is going to happen. Yes. So Mitch reaches Hobie and was able to pull him out of the water. Immediately Hobie explains that he saw Slade do it and wanted to copy him. He's always has an excuse for everything. Yes. Like, the first thing out of Hobie's mouth is always something shitty. Like, it's not going to be the truth. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, or just shutting the fuck up, to be perfectly honest. It, he, he immediately goes to, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And Mitch lets it go. Yeah. So after he rescues him, they're coming out of the water. Uh, we see the truck is slowly lurked, or moving towards uh, sunbather, the sunbather, who has her headphones is, is totally oblivious. Mitch runs, tackles her to narrowly miss getting hit by the truck. Saving the day as always. But the lady, not realizing what's happening, thinks he's like assaulting her, so she just slaps him and walks away. Which the cartoon music at this point makes sense. Uh, for at least that segment, it should be sort of like a boing at the end as he's getting smacked and he gives a goofball look to the camera, but uh, yeah. So Mitch, you know, scolds Smelt Summer to, to telling her she forgot to put the parking brake on. And because I guess that was something they learned in rookie school. Summer, when you park on top of a steep berm, you gotta pull the parking brake. They covered that in rookie school. Well, look, this is gonna be our. Okay, we, we, we already talked about Stephanie a couple times. We've had an opportunity to see her abused and treated poorly, and then like that is who she is, right? Well, this is Summer. This is our first chance really encountering Summer where we're talking about it in a form where we're recording it. And I think it's clear why she deserves the name Stupid Summer. Stupid, stupid Summer. <laughs> this is gonna be the first, not just the first of many, but the first of endless examples of Summer being inexplicably moronic. Like she, like, now, now I'll, I'm willing to forgive a lot of stuff. Like just as I'm learning more, like we meet her mom in this episode, which was a surprise to me. Uh, we, we find out that she's in high school, which I never really like even thought about. So I'm willing to say, oh yeah, but no, stupid, stupid summer. Yeah. And we talked about Hobie not taking responsibility. Summer immediately blames Slade for this whole incident. What do you think the rules apply to everyone but you? Look, I'm not the one who forgot to set the parking brake. She does, well, she does. She does blame him, but at the same time, she admits that it is her fault for not putting on the parking brake. At the same time, she spreads the shit around and makes sure that she dumps on Slade, saying, if you weren't doing this, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. Yeah, I know. It's not your fault. It's just that if you hadn't been surfing under the pier, none of this would have happened. Which, you know, if my uncle had tits, he'd be my aunt. You know, <laughs> so... Well, Slade then tries to get on Summer's good side and asks her to go to come watch him surf in the surf competition coming up. Look, I'm surfing in the OP Pro next Saturday. Why don't you come? Maybe you'll see me in a better light. I had no idea what was going on in this scene whatsoever because uh, Jimmy Slade, Kelly Slater, uh, super dreamy. Let's talk about Kelly Slater for just a second, by the way. Um, Kelly Slater is a dreamboat. He is what drew me really into the show at first, uh, showing also when I came in because he started in season three and that's what really got me going. Uh, he was a professional surfer. He still is. He was beautiful. Not a professional actor, uh, clearly. Uh, he's really stiff and awkward in every single one of his scenes. He does not improve across his, I don't know, 20 or so episodes, but hes I find him charismatic because he is, seems like a real person, and uh, he is beautiful. So uh, he'd been, he's been surfing since 1989, a few uh, years before this uh, show came on the air, and he's actually from Cocoa Beach. Right around the corner, yeah, uh, which is which is nice. And he is still a very hot man. He is bald now, uh, but uh, none the uh, less for it. So Kelly Slater, as Jimmy Slade, he runs up to Summer's truck. He's got his wetsuit halfway down, 
the best sort of position for a wetsuit to be in. He hangs himself over the window, and from this point on, I'm gone. It's over. <laughs> it just has those little anime eyes and purple kittens running in his face, and it's just... He's too dreamy for words. Smitten. Very much so. So we cut to Hobie. He's looking at the girl from before. Mitch comes up. What are you doing shooting the pier? Haven't you ever done anything stupid to impress a girl, Dad? Yeah, once or twice, but it was never worth it. Heather is definitely worth it. She just doesn't know Hobie's alive. He almost wasn't. So Mitch was like, I think he kind of understood, you know, Mitch. He, he kind of like let it go. Pretty much just tells Hobie to be home by 6.30. Hobie and his buddy Landon follow Heather and the group of kids. They end up at a liquor store slash arcade, but it's really only like one arcade game, Street Fighter 2, which you have a lot to say about. Not a lot to say about. <laughs> I mean, you're the video game guy, so I'm a little surprised that you don't know more and disappointed, but uh, you know, you don't like fighting games. That's I do fine. Not. That's fine. So it's no big deal. This is Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition, which is important because it was the first Street Fighter where you could actually choose the same character as each other as palette swaps, and that the four bosses were playable: Balrog, Vega, Sagat, and Bison. So, uh, so that was fun. And this is the one that I played the most often in my uh, local arcade growing up. Uh, so, Hobie does this weird thing uh, while the two boys are playing the game. He tries to like push his way in, which I, I found completely odd and rude. Yeah, but he gets corrected very quickly. Yes, uh, the boy Andy pushes him out of the way. Hey, never reach him when I'm playing, man. Asshole Andy, Asshole yes. Andy, who uh, we will learn more about later and how much of an asshole this kid really is. So. Then we cut to a vivi vivacious blonde with amazing earrings singing to herself in a mirror. And we learn that this is Summer's mom. Yes, and more than Summer's mom, uh, we, we had talked before, we'd seen a few episodes before we decided to start recording and talking about this sort of stuff in this way. And we were very confused about who this woman was. Yes. She was always hanging around Summer. They had a very close relationship, but it was just strange. Like, who is this? Who is this woman? Well, it turns out, yes, this is Summer's mom, Jackie, Jackie Quinn. And uh, yes, she's got great earrings. And she has a great slutty outfit on, on top of that. Uh, but she is played by a woman named Susan Anton. And she was really big in the late 70s, mainly as a spokesmodel for Muriel Cigars. And you've never heard of her. Before. I have not. No. Right, exactly. So... When I decided to go into the small cigar business, I didn't want to be second best. That's why Muriel Air Tips drive men mild with the easiest taste they could have found. And for something different, Muriel Coronella is the sweetest little miniature in town. Muriel, the biggest selling brand of small cigars around. Because nobody wants to smoke second best. And from that, she became... A thing. She was in a whole bunch of television shows, movies, she had a little bit of a singing career, and then eventually here she is on Baywatch. Uh, so she's great. Summer comes in and starts telling her mom about her day, how she messed up with the truck, and that there was this really cute guy, and she uh, said that this guy asked her out. And her mom weirdly thinks that she's talking about Mitch, thinking that her boss Mitch asked her out. Well, honey, that's a problem because Mitch is your boss. Not Mitch, I'm talking about Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Well, yeah, but you know. Well, Jackie's fixated on Mitch. Well, I don't even know if it's fixated is the right word, but she is hot. She is hot to trot and ready to play. Really into Mitch, like. <laughs> Mitch is pretty cute. Is he seeing anybody? I don't know. Could you find out for me, huh? No way. Oh, come on, way. Come on. Moisten the panties for him. This is pre-Cougar Town. This is a woman in her prime, uh, ready to go and not afraid to talk about it. It's a little... Come on. Well, it's more than a little inappropriate because, as we find out, Summer's still in high school. Yes. This is an adult mother talking to her daughter about her daughter's older boss. <laughs> it's a whole strange dynamic, but she's still fun. Yes. And she sounds and looks great. So. Yes. Come on. 
on. Well, Summer tells her that she wants to buy a new bikini to impress Slade at the surf competition. And she immediately knows, her mom immediately knows where to go to get the best new bikini. Yes. I saw a really cute one on the pier this afternoon. By the way, how much do you bet that this scene that we don't get to see as it transitions out, her mom, Jackie, and Summer go to the store, they try on bikinis, the mom ends up buying like three or four, Summer gets nothing. I, I'm really disappointed that there was not a uh, closed montage. Missed opportunity. You are absolutely right, and I didn't know how much we'd been robbed until you just said that. That would have been fantastic. Ugh, get the time machine ready, Danny. So, <laughs> we cut back to the liquor store. Hobie is now playing the arcade game. He somehow got in. Hey man, his quarters spend too. Yes, and he actually beats asshole Andy. And I guess this pisses off Andy and he does what assholes do. He storms out, but before he leaves, he throws a beer at the kids, which causes it to explode and sprays beer all over everyone. Yes, which, you know, a beer is want to do. But uh, let's talk about who these kids are real quick. Yes. Okay, so asshole Andy, which is perfect. He is a, a little bit of a ginger, I would, I would call him. Yes, he, he had I, I, I was sure that I had recognized him from something else. I thought he was, oh, he's that guy. Uh, but no, he's played by uh, someone named Mike Simran. And he was in an earlier episode of Baywatch, but as a different character. Um, and then Heather, uh, the girl of Hobie's current dreams. She's played by a girl named Juliet Sorcy, and she appeared in basically every show that I watched at that time. She was in Magic World of Disney, the 80s Twilight Zone, Night Court, Dear John, Quantum Leap, all that kind of stuff. But the important person here is Tony. Yes, Tony. I, I recognize Tony. Yeah. I didn't know from what first, uh, first uh, but then it hit me. He was on one of my favorite shows growing up, Step by Step. Step by Step. He wasn't just on Step by Step. He was Max Goof in the, a Goofy movie in a Goof Troop. He played Eddie Munster in The Munsters Today. He was a voice in The Gummy Bears, which is a favorite of my partner's Glenn's. He was in Fox's Peter Pan of the Pirates, Hocus Pocus, Erie, Indiana, the English dub of Spirited Away, and he was the lead kid in Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, which is the cartoon where the, all the cartoon characters team up all the different shows, including Alf, he's even there as a cartoon character, and they help keep a kid off of drugs. We'll, we'll have to watch that one yes, Saturday. Yes, I have not heard of that, so I look forward to that. Yeah, now, the most interesting thing here is the weird coincidence in the episode. So, uh, Jason Marsden, who's playing Tony, he eventually is on Step by Step. But at this time, Step by Step is actually airing. The same week that this episode of Baywatch aired, Step by Step aired its seasons two, episode four, episode JT's World, which guest starred Elizabeth Berkley. Oh my God, Jesse yes. Spano. Yes, but we'll get to her yes. later on. Yes. So uh, we then cut to Mitch. He's cooking dinner at 7.30, way past the time Hobie's supposed to be home. He is calling around trying to find out where Hobie is. Mrs. Thompson, this is Mitch Buchanan, Hobie's dad. I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Is Hobie there? Um, no, I just thought he might be there because he was with Landon at the beach earlier. No, that's okay. I'm sure he'll turn up eventually. Thank you. Bye. Damn it. Then, Hobie just comes storming in like nothing's wrong. Hey, Dad, sorry I'm late. I'll go wash up for dinner. Whoa, Roadrunner, come here. Where you been? And, A sociopath, as yeah. we've said before. He Again, he doesn't have an ounce of guilt or shame about him. Yes. He just saunters through the door an hour late. Yes, and he says that he was at Landon's house and lost track of time. Well, Mitch obviously knows that, no, this is bullshit. I called Landon's house, you were not there. What but. Does, what does Hobie do? He's prepared. He is ready on a dime and spins, oh. I'm at Jason's, I was at Jason's. Who the hell is Jason? Exactly, another friend of Hobie's that's just a tool <laughs> in his strange game. Well, Mitch can sense that something's wrong. He knows he's lying, and he then gets a whiff of beer on Hobie. You've been drinking beer? And asking him has, if he's been drinking. And Hobie does actually tell the truth at this point that he was not drinking, that he was at this liquor store that had this video game, and mm. that some kid threw a beer, and it got all over, and that's where he's smelling the beer. He is honest, but the way he structures it is in such a way that he delivers the bad news in ascending order. So it's like, oh, I was just playing Street Fighter 2. 
And a kid was there and got angry and threw a beer because we were in a liquor store. <laughs> and, you know, Mitch is obviously upset about this. And then Hobie says, Dad, chill out. You're raging before my eyes. Hobie. That was the sort of line that absolutely worked on my dad. And I'm sure that normally it would work on Mitch if he hadn't just spent the evening calling around trying to find where his son was who showed up smelling of booze at the age of 12. Yes. So then Mitch tells him he's not allowed to go to that liquor store or so that liquor store arcade anymore. And of course, Hobie throws a temper tantrum. He storms off like any good kid would. <laughs> and at that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back soon. That really makes them fine. I got a colorful breakfast. Another Fruit Loops fan. And I got great taste. Like me, to can Sam. Yo, Sam. Totally fresh. So we're starting. It's the next morning. Mitch and Hobie are still mad at each other. And, you know, Hobie's just being really passive aggressive. They both are. It, it, it's a really beautiful example of a homosexual relationship <laughs> two men that don't know how to tell each other that they're mad at each other or just get past it yeah. so mitch remains silent as he's preparing his smoothie of some kind and hobie remains silent as he makes his uh cereal yes his uh, weedy oats or something like that they looked good so when hobie starts eating he like does this annoying thing where he chews the mouse open but it's like really smacking his lips and Mitch always tells him, Could you please chew without smacking your lips? And what does Hobie do? He keeps doing it. So immediately, he throws the newspaper down. That's it. Strike three. You're grounded for the entire weekend. That's not fair. I didn't even get a warning. It never does any good to argue with the ump. Why should you be the ump? Hobie flips out again, because that's what you do. But again, this is the perfect male-male relationship. Yeah. Just clash, 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 clash. No one backs down. Each person just continues to go up against another, which to adults is bad enough. But when you have a father and a son where the authority isn't being respected or even enforced, it's the recipe for disaster. All right. So then we're going to cut and we get our first montage. And I thought this song was pretty banging for a surf competition. That's because you have no taste. <laughs> this song was horrific. It was some sort of strange, like, primus, like, low-rent primus music that, like, whatever. I tried to soundhound to see what the song was actually called. And? It could not locate it. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> I'm so shocked that that song doesn't exist or hasn't ever been played anywhere else. Let's, let's, let's hope that it's lost the ages. Now, I will tell you this. This is a good opportunity to say, I watched this episode not just from the proper source, the German uh, DVDs. I also watched the remastered version. And here's where the second change comes. The first change comes, they cut out Jackie's song. Oh, completely. Really? Jackie doesn't get to sing a lick. It just, boom, cuts right out. It's very jarring. Here's another one. The montage song, very different. It is not any better, but it's not any worse either. So during this montage, we get lots of shots of Summer watching Slave. Slave. And I, by the way, this I think is one of the examples of Baywatch doing it on the cheap because this is only partially Baywatch footage. Otherwise, this is of a real surf competition that Kelly Slater was participating in. They didn't put on this. It's not a set. These are not extras. He's in a real competition, really winning something. I actually did not know that. Yes, absolutely. This wow. is the OP Pro Surf 1992. You can look it up. And I did, of course. And uh, he, he won a lot of awards. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense for a beach show, for any show, to pick up as much footage as they can. But they could have picked a better song if they're going to make me sit through that shit. So Slade, uh, of course, wins the competition. 
all the girls are fawning over him. Not just all the girls. There's two girls in particular. Yes, we get our very special guest star. Well, hold on. Don't shortcut. There are two girls involved here. So these are two clearly fun chicks. They are wearing, wearing very tiny bikinis. One of them is Tiara English. She is played by Tiara English. I'm Tiara English. And she really only has one other credit. She was Laquanda in Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Shut up. Yeah, well, it takes a really special kind of man to be with me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, uh, let me go find him. Yes, that is another one of Glenn's favorites. And, uh, but, and she's very good, and her tits are huge in this episode. She wins the giant breast competition. Uh, but the other girl, yes, is the girl that we're most excited about. So excited. I'm so excited! Uh, how excited? Super excited. I'm so The Elizabeth Berkeley, yes. aka Jesse Spano, aka Nomi <laughs> from Striptease, aka Monique from First Wives Club. I'm Monique. What? And you can be my mom. Oh my god, that's right, I completely forgot about that. Yes. Now, I want to say Saved by the Bell, which is of course where she's best known, known from, was still on the air when this episode was on the air. Really? Yes, yes. Uh, there were two episodes this week. This is one in the period of time when they were just dumping everything. It was nearly over. So there, the two episodes were Wrestling with the Future, where Slater and his dad argue over whether he should go to college or to military school, while Jesse worries she might not get into college after becoming a cheerleader. Highly recommend you watch that episode. Everyone watches that episode because it's a Slater wrestling episode. Oh. Yeah, which means we get plenty of singlet action, yes. which is fabulous. But the other episode, Jesse's not in, but I also recommend it because that is Drinking and Driving, where the gang get drunk and crash Lisa's mom's car, leading to a very special message. Uh, Kelly's not in there either. They're both smart enough to stay <laughs> the fuck away when Zach is driving, but uh, fantastic. She's great. And speaking of showgirls, if you watch showgirls, make sure that you watch the open mat version because you get a lot more tang and tit that I'm sure... Because all of us gays want to see all that. Well, in this... Nomi? Come on. Yes. She's, a, she's, she's an icon. Yes, and her pussy is angry, and it's not <laughs> a sexual thing when it's out. She is expressing her feminine rage, and we're all about that. So I'm going to refer to uh, Elizabeth Berkeley's character as Jessie just from now on. Just so you know. Oh, no, that's okay. She, I, I'm trying to remember who, what her name... Her name was Courtney. It doesn't matter. It doesn't she's matter. Jessie. Okay. So well, she's playing a very un like character. Oh, well, no, yes, definitely. Because, well, she knows all the tea on Slade. She knows that he moved here. He's living, I guess, out of his van so he can go to Malibu High. And I live in a van down by the river. His dad is Marine, which is why apparently he's been moving all around. Uh, they moved from Camp Pendleton. And yes, she knows every damn detail about this young man. I mean, I would too. I would do my research. And how do you know all the dish on him? Information is everything. That's true. <laughs> so Summer overhears this and she tries to introduce herself to Jesse and what, what was the other girl's name? I'm Tiara English. They're not impressed with Summer at all. Well. Who the hell does she, th for one, okay, let's, let's start from the get-go. Uh, it's ridiculous that she's introducing herself to these two women. These, these women are tens. They are a good f foot taller than her, both of them. And Summer is a sourpuss. Summer sourpuss. See it all, this, this just keeps going. Like, she has a vibe that's killing it right away. Summer realizes she's not wanted, but she tries to get one jab in and says, Well, I better go talk to Jimmy. We have a date. He's going out with you? Yeah, some information to add to your files. The girls are incredulous. They simply cannot believe that this young slip may be connected to Jimmy Slade. Yes. So Summer walks up to Slade, congratulations on winning the surf competition. She's trying to talk to him, and he just completely blows her off by saying, have a great time, and walks away to the arms of another woman. Congratulations. Hey, Summer, you made it. Yeah, this is really overwhelming. I mean, we don't have anything like this back in Pittsburgh. Well, I told you it'd be worth it. Well, have a great time. Just completely random. It's fantastic. 
it is a beautiful blow off. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had our hearts broken and embarrassed in front of the world like that, but oh, it was nice. So, you know, of course, Jesse sees this and she is, what's the word I'm looking for? She's taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. She, she's very happy that Summer got blown off. Looks like your information wasn't very accurate. Goodbye. There's a German term, uh, schadenfreude, and that's when you take joy in other people's misery. Yes. So. Summer's mom is there, and she realizes Summer's upset, and Summer cries, telling her that, you know, Jimmy didn't ask her out. And then my life is over. Oh, my God. It's so dramatic. Mom, it's the end of my life, okay? Well, to be honest, the girls were not that mean to her. They could have been much nastier. They were really just clapping back to her whole, well, I'm going on a date with him. Exactly. But it's okay, because Summer's mom has a fix for this. It's something I've never heard of before. Chocolate thunder cake. Chocolate thunder cake. She expresses that particularly chocolate thunder cake is the one. And I looked up recipes for chocolate thunder cake, and it seems like it's just cake. Let's go get a couple of huge pieces of chocolate thunder cake, huh? Chocolate cake won't solve anything. No, no, no. Cottage cheese won't solve anything, but chocolate thunder cake? Ooh, that does it all. Come it's on. probably like a chocolate lava cake that you get, like chilies or something. Oh, like specifically from maybe like Cheesecake Factory yeah, or something. Some, one of those fucking chains or something. Yeah. These women, by the way, are clearly not eating any chocolate thunder no. cake unless they're throwing it up right afterwards. <laughs> so after the scene, we are back to Mitch's house. It's Monday, which means Hobie's no longer grounded. Hobie's trying to run out the door, but he catches him and he makes Hobie promise that he's not going to go back to that liquor store arcade. Hobie is annoyed, but agrees anyways. Do we believe he's going to keep this promise? Mitch knows that he's not going to keep the promise. Throughout the episode, Mitch proves by putting the screws to his son the way that he does, that he knows that he's incapable of keeping a promise or staying away from a place when he knows he shouldn't be there. And we cut immediately to Hobie going back to the liquor store. Hey, man. And, of course, all the kids from before are hanging out. He sees Heather. He uh, goes up and... Anyway, I was on my way to the beach. You want to come? You know, he's trying to abide by his dad rules. Well, first... It's important to talk about how messy this Heather is, okay? Because she isn't just your nice, normal little girl by any means. She likes to stir shit up. And she made it clear earlier when Hobie was doing well at the video game that she was interested all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Like, she's attracted to whatever's going on. Because the earlier scene, she was, well, she was a young girl, but she was very excited over Jimmy Slade and made it very clear. Uh, so this is another example. Well, Hobie starts his, the conversation with this girl saying, oh, I can't play. I hurt my trigger finger. And what he's doing here is classic punk kid. He's trying to get around his father's promise by he's not playing the game there. You know, I went there, but I didn't do anything there. And that's when Heather drops the bomb. Nah, I'd rather hang here with my friends. See you around. See ya. Because I think he suggests, what does he suggest? Going to make a sandcastle? No, go to the beach. Just, oh. want, just go to the beach with me. How fun to go back to the beach. Yes. So after getting turned down, Hobie walks out of the store and immediately we're thrown into a fight between the two boys from before, Asshole Andy and Tony. Max Goof. Yep. Yes. <laughs> this is boy fight number two, by the way. And just to get back to Heather, we see... In this scene and a few others, her outfit, she's dressed like a young Britney Spears. Like she's got a little, little crop top on, uh, a denim shorts, her hair's up in a thing. She, you know, she could pass for a young Britney. So in all the commotion, all the other kids come out and they're watching this fight. And then we see Garner come up in his four-wheeler. Get me back on my beachfront liquor on the strand. And Hobie knows what that means. Yes. He's been in trouble enough to... Hit the shit. Yes. Uh, he grabs Heather by the hand, and they run in behind some sort of wooden guardrail by the parking lot. Uh, Hobie, by the way, knows exactly where it is. He knows precisely where the best place to hide from the fuzz is. So Garner breaks up the fight, and another cop, cop car pulls up. Heather grabs Hobie by the hand, and she's like, "You, who started the fight? She wants, she wants to know all the details. It's a little odd that she would just like... It's not that odd. I just told you that she's a messy bitch. She <laughs> wants all of this shit to be as dramatic and complicated and uh, uh, fucked up as possible so that she can just swill in it. She, she loves the drama. She's one of those girls that as she gets a little bit older... Well, Hobie starts giving her details, which 
we, we find out is not true because, you know, he just, when he walked out, the fight was already started. So we know he didn't see anything. But he tells her pretty much what she wants to hear. Asshole Andy started the fight. You know what, though? I, 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 to be honest, I was confused here. Maybe it was how it was shot or just how it was cut. Or maybe you're right and I just didn't notice it. But I thought that it was possible that Hobie had seen something at this point and he actually was telling the truth. Now, looking at it this way, no. I mean, like, and he's clearly, like, just making things up to try yes. to be interesting. But uh, initially, I was confused. Both the kids that were in the fight, uh, asshole Andy and Tony, they get put in the back of the cop car. I thought they got arrested. They did get arrested. They did get arrested. They didn't, uh, uh, charges have not yet been okay, filed. Yes. After that, it's, we cut to another day. Hobie is down the boardwalk. He is watching some skateboarders doing some tricks. Again, he is completely enamored of these people's skills. Just like earlier with the uh, surf, surfers, he's way into these skateboarders. And then asshole Andy just comes up behind him. Now before this though, hold on. We gotta look, we, see, one of the important things to do is to pay attention to the world of Baywatch. And while this frankly boring skateboarding is going on, there aren't going to do any special tricks or anything. Not that I know any, but he, they're not doing anything that special. Off to the side, running the hot dog cart, is a super hot chick. Like in a, in a tiny little bikini and falling out of it wearing uh, big uh, chunky tennis shoes with long socks pushed down so they're all crumpled up with a visor, crunchy uh, hair. It was fantastic. She was just right there serving her shit as another boy fight was about to start. Yes, so asshole Andy just comes up behind Hobie, grabs him and pulls him off to the side. He then begins to threaten Hobie uh, to tell the cops that he saw the other kid, Tony, start the fight. And now you're gonna be my witness. Next time you play Street Fighter 2, it'll be with your elbow. Since Hobie wasn't supposed to be there, he doesn't really want to get involved, but Andy doesn't care. He wants Hobie to tell the cops anyways. Clearly none of these people have heard the catchphrase that snitches get stitches, <laughs> and that you keep your mouth shut, a cab, all of that. After the scene, we go to the summer story. Uh, she's at her lifeguard tower. And more than that, we have a good song finally. A good, well, what I think is a good song. As the, we really cut, we cut to summer, but there's also, we first cut to Jimmy surfing in the morning time with, there's a couple other surfers in the background, but the main focus is on him with summer pouting at her station. Yes, she is not happy. She's gonna be really passive aggressive and put a sign on her tower. That means there, I guess there's supposed to be no more surfing. Okay, she's cunting out like you couldn't believe. It's so clear that she's only doing this to be a bitch. And so the surfer's saying in the back, and I'm unfamiliar with what this sign might mean, but picking up the context clues, the surfer's like, oh, she's blackballing us. Hey, what's the idea with blackballing us? So the, the sign is a white square with a black circle in yes. the middle, and we find out Jimmy, from Jimmy, hey, we, nobody's here yet. Why are you making us stop surfing? Yeah, because I guess uh, surfers and swimmers can't be in the ocean at the same time. It makes sense because surfers could, you know, hit a swimmer or something like that. Yeah. So She basically tells Slade that she's mad that he asked her out on the date and then humiliated her. And that he's getting sand on her tower. Yeah, like... I'm getting sand all over my tower. Would you mind leaving? It's a fucking beach. You, you probably drag sand up other yourself. It makes... She's just being a bitch. She's, she's looking for every opportunity to cut this poor guy because, and quite frankly, he looks like a deer in the headlights. He has yeah, no he, idea why. He had no idea that, he didn't realize that she thought this was a date. He just was We're just, not even there yet. He's just completely blindsided that, oh, I thought we were friends and now, now you're a bitch. Yeah. But yeah, he didn't even realize that she thought it was a date. He thought when I asked you to come to the contest, it was a date? He thought it was just, you know, a friend asking a friend to come to his competition. So now we're back to Hobie, and then we see Tony, the other kid from the fight. Max Goof. Yes. <laughs> Catches up to Hobie. You tell him you saw Andy trying to steal my board. When I caught him, he attacked me first. We're clear on that? He's not as menacing as Andy, but he's still like trying to threaten him a little bit. Max Goof would never be a menacing figure, but what a tangled web we weave, young Hobie. Yes. So then... Hobie is back at Lifeguard Central, and you know Mitch sees him there. And hey you, do, hey do you hear that? Hey you, 
Oh my gosh, you know what that means. That sound means it's stud watch. There is this gorgeous lifeguard who I've never seen before just walking in the background, but he is absolutely gorgeous, great body. You don't get to see him very long. And he looks like he's wearing like a weightlifter belt. Yes, because at Baywatch Central, they do have a gym. Yes. We, we get to see it frequently. I think there's an indoor gym, there's an outdoor gym, there's lots of opportunities to sweat at Baywatch Central. And he is not just wearing a belt, I believe he's also wearing weightlifting gloves. Uh, yes, yes, he is. So yes, he's clearly come, he's, he's, he's bronzed, he has been oiled, and yes, he does look very good. But for me, the Kelly Slater will always be the winner if we, at least we're getting as much yeah. Kelly Slater as we do on this episode. I, I was gonna say one thing. Please. Uh, his hair reminded me of Polly D. Oh yeah, we're the worst, yeah. Polly D, who's Polly D? The um, Jersey Shore guy with the oh. crazy hair, like his, his hair is like all spiked up back. You're absolutely, it does sort of like have a mushroomy quality coming out in like a, like a trapezoid. Yes. While Mitch is talking to Hobie, Garner comes up. He asks Mitch if he knows anything about the fight that took place near the liquor store. Now listen, this, this is so contrived. There, there's, a, there's a number of ways to take this. One, it's Baywatch, and don't think about it. Number two, there is so little going on on the beach that this really is Garner's only case, and he really <laughs> is asking everybody he knows about it. Or the most likely thing is that Mitch and Garner are conspiring together, as they always do, and they are trying to squeeze Hobie for information. Because yes. as soon as Garner mentions the liquor store, Mitch immediately goes to Hobie and be like, you know anything about this? And of course, Hobie's gonna lie, because he's a psychopath. You sure you don't know anything about that fight? Why does everyone think I'm supposed to know everything? I wish you'd just all leave me alone. Hobie. I'll be at the beach. The only way to maintain a lie is to maintain the lie. And Hobie knows this. All right, so now we are coming to our second montage. It is a summer patrolling the beach. It is likewise horrible music. But yes, it's summer patrolling the beach, but it's also one of the best parts about going to the beach, and that is boys playing football. Yes, uh, we see uh, Jessie is there with her friend. I'm Tiara English. Yes, sorry, I will remember that someday. <laughs> Not today, though. <but. laughs> uh, we see that uh, Jessie and Tiara are drinking during yeah. this montage. Drinking a lot, but they're having a good time. They're not bothering anybody. They're not, but they are not just thirsty for alcohol. They are also thirsty for Jimmy Slade. As anyone with eyes would be. So the montage ends with Summer walking up to Jesse and Tiana. I'm Tiara English. Tiara. Tiara telling them that there's no drinking allowed on the beach and that she's underage. She, by the way, is puffed up like one of those frogs that gets three times the size <laughs> when you get near it. Uh, she, she honestly thinks that due to the fact that she's wearing a red outfit and she has this, the floaty thingy, that this is gonna stop these two bitches from living their lives. Yes, and uh, Jessie claps back with, according to her fake ID, she is not underage. Oh, not according to my ID. So, somebody just tells her to put the tequila away. Then, you know, Jessie, just to kind of get back at Summer, is like, Aren't you the one that had that phantom date with Slade? So then Summer is gonna just threaten to cite her for drinking on the beach, which I don't know what citing Ooh. is gonna do. I assume that there's some sort of fine or something, but in yeah. the pre-internet days, or at least in the early internet days, it was a lot easier just to rip up a ticket and throw it away. Yeah. Jesse, of course, calls her bluff. No, oh, you won't. Look, you already made a fool of yourself at the surf competition. You don't wanna do anything else to make more enemies. School can be a very lonely place when no one will talk to you. You don't want that, do you? And she just is gonna keep on drinking. Summer is, just is defeated at this point. She's embarrassed that she brought up the whole slave thing and she just, just says, don't go in the water. It has been, I, I will say, for as much as Summer's not my favorite, she does get beaten up quite a bit in this episode. And looking at it in this way, it isn't all that fair by any means, but you know. Yeah. So after Summer tells her not to go in the water, Jesse and- I'm Tiara English. Tiara. Tiara immediately go to the water. Look. I live on the largest horse ranch in Malibu. It has a private beach. The day you have to pull me out of the water is the day the ocean freezes over. Yes, 
That was quite a line. <laughs> Delivered much better than I did. Uh, she, Elizabeth Berkley plays an exquisite bitch. This is she a beautiful really preview for showgirls. Who would know? They go to the water and she announces while they're on the water, well, I've got these boys to look after me. All of a sudden from nowhere, Jesse, Elizabeth Berkeley, Courtney starts walking to the water. These two men just flank her. They come from nowhere. They were not in the scene before. They were nowhere. They just appear yeah. and they basically carry her into the water. <laughs> That's queen status there. We cut back to Hobie. He is under the pier with Logan. And Heather walks. Up not to Logan, Landon. Landon, sorry, yes, Landon. Heather uh, walks towards them and Heather tells him that Tony wants to talk to him and to meet him. He said to meet him where the homeless sleep under the pier or he's gonna come to your house. And he said to meet him alone. Where the homeless sleep under the pier. And to come alone. Which, like, that, I mean, even though he's into this girl, I, I would have been like. Into this girl. Look at how into it Heather was, delivering that message with glee. She was so excited to be telling someone. Well, she also warns that if Hobie is not, if he doesn't show up, that this kid is going to show up at his house, which will, of course, further in, make him in trouble with his dad. Yes. So we are going to go on another commercial break. Meet the babes of Bayside High. There's Zach. He's popular with pretty girls principals, and parents. And there's A.C. Slater. Mmm, he's strong. It's not good to be afraid of your girlfriend. A real macho man. Make a date with the base of Bayside High. Catch the next Saved by the Bell. Weekdays at 4 on WGN. I'm Elizabeth Berkeley, And I'm Tiffany Amber from Saved by the Bell. Are you having problems reading and understanding your assignments in school? Or do you feel like you're being treated unfairly? If so, you need to talk to someone right away. Find someone you trust and talk to him or her about your problems. It could be anybody, a counselor, a minister, your favorite teacher. But talk to somebody. Don't keep it inside. Your friends at Bayside High want you to be cool and stay in school. We cut back to drowning. There are a couple, we see a couple guys struggling in the water. Summer sees it, uh, she calls it in. This is Quinn, Tower 26. I've got multiple victims caught in a riptide. I need immediate backup. They're caught in a rip current. A riptide, yes. Riptide, sorry, yes. A riptide, and this is one of those times that Baywatch teaches us a lesson. Yes. Which is very important, because actually a friend uh, of mine in elementary school died as a re result of a riptide. And what does Summer teach us to do in a riptide? Well, she stands, like, so far away to where there's no way they could hear her. And there's, by the way, this, she just ran from her tower, which we know has all the tools that she could possibly grab, like maybe a megaphone, but it's yes. summer. Swim to the side, swim to the side. Sideways, sideways. Yes. You gotta, if you're in a, caught in a riptide, you don't swim forward or backward, you swim parallel to the shore. So, miraculously, while these guys are struggling, they can hear her, and they start swimming to the side. And you know why. They, they can hear them, hear her, right? Do you see is the shots? It, since I had to watch it so many goddamn times at this point, it's very clear that they are about in three feet of water. <laughs> and that, because it, it, as you see behind them, people are just having fun and standing, uh, but it's very precarious from their perspective. So pretty much like the whole Baywatch guards all come to the scene. Oh, it's fantastic. It's actually like a little mini montage itself. Yeah. There's trucks, there's people running, there's everything. Summer and the other guards, they swim out to help, and we see, none other than, Jesse Spano floating face down in the water, just like completely sprawled out. Wasn't there a scene at Showgirls when she was face down in the pool? Or was that somebody else in that movie? I don't think it was her. I think, I know she had that crazy orgasm in the water. Actually, maybe that's what I'm thinking. The thrashing that should have <laughs> led to unconsciousness. Yes. Mitch drives up to assist. Uh, they are pulling all the people out. They get Jesse out of the water, and Mitch gives her mouth to mouth, which Sorry, I got it. here is another indication that there are no same-sex mouth-to-mouth rescues. Not necessarily. This is just this is an example of mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, but yeah. we can't say there's no same-sex same because there wasn't an opportunity. Well, for... Summer was right there. You know, actually, that's a good point. What you're saying, Mitch did show up. Yes. See, see. 
here we go. I wasn't coming at it from that perspective, and I need to keep putting on that hat when we're doing this. From what I thought was, oh, it's Mitch, and this is Mitch's show. Mitch is the king. Mitch is the night rider. Mitch is the guy that that saves the day. But you're absolutely right. It probably was more so. It was a woman-on-woman thing because... As far as the story goes, it would probably have more pathos if Summer was the one to literally save right. Courtney, Jesse Spano, Elizabeth Berkeley. Well, in the next scene, in the next part, we I think we it kind of it makes more sense for Mitch to have been wanting to give How her mouth so? to mouth because uh, after like he gives her mouth to mouth and she like is coughing up water, he immediately asks her if she's been drinking. She's been drinking. So like, obviously mm. he must have smelled the alcohol in her breath. While she's just barely done coughing up the water, she immediately... She thought we were drinking and she didn't even try to stop us. Uh, ...points to Summer and said that she did not warn her not to go in the water. I love this character so much. I, I, it, it's at this point when I just think about the fact they had an hour. And I guess maybe it's just the remit of the show that you have to put in two stories or something. But I would have loved for a full episode of this bitch screwing everybody over, just being a straight, complete monster. Right away, yeah. right away, she's coming out of a stupor. She is, she could have died. She was unconscious. Yes. And immediately she's like, it's her fault. <laughs> she did it. I have no blame here whatsoever. You're a liar and everyone knows it. So, you know, Summer, of course, says that she's lying, that she told her, you're a liar and everybody knows it. And why? She uses it as an example. Just like you had a date with Slade. Oh, and she lied about having a date with Slade. Exactly. But Slade comes to her rescue and he vouches for Summer, saying that he saw her tell her not warn her not to go in the water. She's telling the truth. The lifeguard warned her not to go in the water. I heard it. And we did have a date. I'm the one who blew it. Because it is Kelly Slater, you know that his word is truthful yes. and that you can follow it. So uh, a side note with this, Jesse is like wearing these huge earrings while she's swimming in the ocean, which just, it does not make any sense to me because. Now I, I, I will forgive her there uh, because, well, for a lot of reasons. One, we don't know for mirror rings, maybe women do that sort of thing. I don't even understand how women walk around with those things. I mean, they're boobs, let alone giant earrings, but they do it, right? Yes. But if you remember, she wasn't planning on getting in the water at all. She only got in the water to spite Summer. That's true, yes. Yeah. And if she had stopped to take off her earrings, it would have lost a lot of the bitch punch <laughs> that was there when she initially decided to leave. All right, so we're pretty much done with this storyline. There's a little bit at the end, but... Well, there is something here. Summer gets a chance to uh, snap in Jesse's face, Jesse Spano's face, uh, with... Looks like the ocean just froze over. Because... Oh, my God, I forgot about Yes, that line. Jimmy Slade reveals that he made a mistake and that he should have been asking Summer out and that it was just a big confusion. It's, it's all very ill-timed, by the way, because, again, this is a rescue that six or seven different lifeguards have converged upon. This woman was pulled out unconscious from the water and they're sitting here having a high school debate, mm -hmm. but eighth way watch. All right, so after this scene, uh, we are back to Hobie. He is showing up to where the homeless sleep. It, and we have some of the creepiest music that I've heard since and, Twin Peaks season three. And this whole scene, like this, this location, it's like some under this like giant pier. It's like dark. It's like a vast space, but like there's like lots of like nooks, nooks and crannies. It sounds like you're in the Pirates of the Caribbean queue, by the way. There's like creaking wood. It's like very like creepy. It's it's an odd place. To it's be. where the homeless go. Yes. So he's walking around. He hears a voice calling out to Hobie. Psst. Over here. This way. Where are you? And Hobie's like, ask, doesn't know where this is coming from. He's looking around. All of a sudden, Andy jumps out again from behind and pushes Hobie onto the, this metal grate. It's not a metal grate. It's a filthy, disgusting, rusted mattress. It's a mattress with all of the stuffing and shit removed. So it's just the springs, which immediately all I could think about was tetanus. I was about to say, Hobie's up to date with his tetanus saw. Oh, it's disgusting. Who knows? Oh, hepatitis A, B, C, D. I mean, the homeless are there. They're probably... 
Well, you know what they get up to, and not just yes. them. Under the pier, there's a lot of action. I've yes. been to P-Town. Ha! <laughs> so, while he's on the grate, uh, we see to- the kid Tony, uh, Max, Max, Goof. Yeah, Max Goof, is trapped <laughs> under it, like in some sort of like hole. They've dug a pit, I guess. <laughs> it's some sort of strange like Vietnam War reenactment <laughs> where Tony is uh, in the pit with the uh, denuded mattress on top, and now Hobie is on top of that. Yes. Uh, there is another kid here. He is holding the the metal uh, mattress down, so I guess Andy can't get out. The, no, 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 Tony, Tony. Asshole Andy. Yes. Asshole Andy somehow has thugs with him. Yes. And Andy tells Hobie he has to decide whose side he's on. I think what we've discovered here is that Andy is actually Jigsaw. This, this, is, this is how the whole <laughs> this, song... This is pre- the origin. Yes, precisely. This is how he learned to start making traps. Hello. You don't know me, but I know you. I want to play a game. Um, so there is a small little clip of uh, Garner uh, telling Mitch that Hobie fits a description of the kid who saw the fight. I'm telling you, Mitch, I talked to the liquor store owner 10 minutes ago. Hobie fits the description of the kid who witnessed the fight. He was there, I swear, I've him for a year. Which, who I don't know who gave this description. Again, there's so little real crime at, at Baywatch that yeah. this has overtaken everyone's attention. Yes. And immediately, Mitch is able to locate Landon, and Landon's able to tell Mitch where he can find Hobie. Well, Landon is a reliable young man that comes from a nice family. Yeah. Uh, speaking of families, we find out kind of like why Andy is such an asshole. My old man gave me this. You don't do it, I say you're going to get it worse from me. Oh, I was very disturbed by that line. Yes. It was, again, I got to say, just like that we didn't have enough time with Elizabeth Berkeley and, and that whole thing, we don't have enough time here. That If we, we find out, look at this, look at my arm. He's apparently pointing out a burn yeah. on his arm, a cigarette burn that his father must have given him right. at some point. But it's sort of, you, you kind of have to figure out a lot on your own. Yes. They don't take you there. But they do at least give... give Andy some background to say, oh, okay, well, maybe he's, you know, troubled. So Hobie does kind of something pretty smart here. He throws ah! sand in Andy's ah! eye. You say that it's smart. Instead, what I say is that it's experienced. And <laughs> Hobie has found himself in these dangerous situations enough that he has cultivated skills that the rest of us that live normal, everyday human lives would never have to consider. Trust me. <laughs> If you're in a scrape, you want him around, of course, he'll be ditching you. Yeah. So Hobie throws sand in his eye, and he's able to run away. Uh, Andy, who tells his friend, who we find out his name is Paul. Paul, yes. Uh, to go after Hobie. Obviously, Tony, who's stuck under the grate, is now free, and he runs away. We are now in the midst of a skateboard chase. The most unexciting skateboard chase in the history of television. There are a lot of pointless... Uh, stretches of time when you're watching Baywatch. This has been the most egregious so far. There's nothing interesting happening here. It's literally just three kids skateboarding down the street. Yes, but you know, Mitch is able to spot Hobie from his truck. Again, he has an amazing skill of finding who he needs to find when he needs to find him. There he is. It's the lifeguard sense. The kids see Mitch in the truck. They leave Hobie and they skate off. Mitch gets out of the truck, Garner's still in it, so he pursues the kids in his truck. Hobie runs to Mitch, he confesses to lying and tells Mitch everything. He spills his guts completely. He's obviously stressed out and excited to talk to his dad, but I want to go back to the resources that are being spent (laughs) on this particular crime. And I'm just thinking here, like, what even is the crime that these kids have participated in? Like, they had a fight? Yes, and they're trying to just figure out who started it, which... There are multiple police officers involved at this point. There are squad cars. There are Baywatch people. There are... I'm going to say that this conservatively cost $10,000 at this point <laughs> of, of city money or, or county money, wherever this is coming from. It's a shame, and the taxpayers should be outraged. As Hobie's spilling his guts, he does say that he doesn't actually know who started the fight. He, he does reveal that. So. He fully tells the truth that he has no idea what was going on, that he lied because he was into this girl. Yes. We have one more commercial break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Joey. I got some stuff you just gotta try. What is it? Pot. You know, marijuana. Oh, well, I don't know. What, chicken? Joey's in a jam. What should he do? Okay. Get a pizza. Excellent. Get a pizza. Get real. Get you got it. Let's see if Joey's that smart. 
I'm not chicken. You're a turkey. He's right. Drug dealers are dorks. Don't even talk to him. Cowabunga! Uh, we are back on the beach. Uh, Summer and her mom are jogging. She asked her mom if she had a lot of friends in high school, because I guess she feels like she's not going to have friends now that she pissed off Jesse, who's like the popular girl in school. Which is the worst thing that she can do, which was pointed out by uh, Tiara and Courtney that you do not want to get on their bad side. Yes. Luckily uh, for Summer, we never see these girls again. <laughs> and her mom gives her some sage advice. Mom, did you make many friends in high school? Not many. Was that awful? No, but it's not how many friends you make. It's how many friends you keep. Which is a loser's way of saying that it's okay not to have any friends. <laughs> and I say that with a person with not all that many friends. I didn't have many friends in high school either. Well, there you go. Yeah. And how many did you keep from high school? Two. I talked to zero people from high school. Oh. So. so maybe she had something there, for me at least. So they jog past uh, Mitch and Hobie, who are sitting on the beach. And Hobie tells Mitch that he has to testify against Andy for what happened under the pier. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you notice, he's not all that put out by it. Like, Hobie, again, this is an illustration of him having come up against these situations before, and he has a strange comfort with it. Hobie tells Mitch, I bet I'm grounded. And Mitch is like, yes, you are. Well, of course he's grounded. And then Hobie asks, like, why he's such a sociopath? Like, why does he do these things? It felt like a scene from Dexter a little <laughs> bit. Like, like, why do I need blood? I don't get it. How come when you know something's wrong, sometimes you still do it anyway? It's a good question. I think a lot of it has to do with peer pressure. Being afraid that you're not going to fit in. So how do you stop? You gotta ask yourself a question. What's more important? That all my friends like me, or I like myself? Yeah, I guess friends come and go. But you gotta live with yourself. Uh, but I think that it's actually, in a different perspective, he does, it does give a nice sense of self-awareness. Yeah. And you would hope that most kids would ask that sort of question. Why do I do these things that I know I shouldn't do? But, but what does Mitch say? It's just peer pressure. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. All right, and that Which, is... Which, by the way, let's... No, 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 no. Let's go back to that. No, no, no. Okay. It's just peer pressure. It wasn't peer pressure, though. It was, it, like, in my mind, peer pressure is more of the pressure of a peer group. Yeah. Hobie was specifically responding to a... Threat. <laughs> well, not just a threat before that. He made up the lie in yeah. the first place. The whole reason he went to the arcade and at all is because Heather was there. This was all born out of hormones. This had nothing to do with peer pressure. This was everything about puberty. Yeah. And they missed the mark with that. I, normally, when they split it like this, there's one or other that I say you could get rid of and I'd be happy. But I actually like both of these stories and how they're done. Just neither was given the room that they deserve. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, I really like this episode. I love Jesse Spano's character. I love the super bitchiness. She looked awesome. I wish that she became a semi-regular person just to continually throw uh, crap right in Summer's face. Yes. Uh, just, just make her day bad and to look as good as she did. I wonder, do we ever actually ever see like Summer in high school, do you think, throughout the series? I think we do. I've read a couple of different descriptions after finding out, oh, she's in high school. Mm -hmm. Again, it was very confusing because I'd never assumed that she was that young. Right. I, I didn't think about it, but it makes sense. Lifeguards could be any ages. But I did go ahead and look up how old uh, some of these people were. So Tiara was 17 when the episode was filmed. Kelly Slater was 20 and... God, he looks so young. He's beautiful. We see some earlier episodes, he's got like some pretty severe acne, so he looks even younger. Not in a bad way, but we all go through it. Elizabeth Berkeley was 20 and Summer was 20. So, and then looking it up, Summer's actually playing 17. Right. So I guess she's about to be a senior in high school. Gotcha. And, but no, I don't remember any high school scenes. And I feel like they definitely would have jumped out because at that age, I was starting to be very interested in high, in high school things. I was watching 90210 and completely invested in what I was about to get into in the next few years. As far as gay stuff, there's a lot. There's an awful lot. There's, there's a lot of eye candy because you, you have a lot of surfing scenes. Yes. Whenever you have Kelly Slater being a major character, you're going to have a lot of surfing. And again, for me, he's a winner. 
you're going to be good. It's going to be like when we see Cody later on. Once they're on the screen, I'm happy. You don't need to give me anything else. Simple man. Beyond that, though, there's the montage with the beach football, and there is the sublime cattiness that is coming from Elizabeth Berkeley. Lived for it. Shouldn't get pissed off. Makes you look older. Jessie Spano wasn't one of my favorites at the time by any means because she was the killjoy. She couldn't have been your favorite. That's true. But when she started to show more range, or at least when she was... You know, so excited, so excited. excited. That was the sort of thing that hinted at what we were getting here. And then she explodes in Showgirls and then a bit part in First Wives Club. She's she's so fun and she feels like a gay icon. She I really feel like she is. And and in this sort of character, like it's it's just the sort of bitchiness that you like that it you don't, she's not a nice person, and you probably wouldn't want to be on her bad side, but you wouldn't mind if she was your friend and no. she was dogging somebody else, <laughs> as long as you weren't in the firing range. So uh, in that respect, yeah, and yeah, this was definitely one of the more fun episodes we've watched, and I hope that we find more catty bitches as we go. Uh, I rate this episode eight fabulously chunky earrings out of 10. Now, is that eight individual earrings or eight pairs? Pairs. Oh, all right. <laughs> you gotta have the pairs. You need a whole box for that then. <laughs> all right, all right. And yeah, I would say this is definitely worth watching. This whole season, it's gonna be hard for me not to recommend every episode. We've already peaked at CJ's uh, first appearance and yeah. that's Gonzo. And it, it, they're really going for broke. We're in syndication and they're trying to get more attention, uh, at least in some ways, and it's working. And, and the really wacky stuff is fun. but. Anyway, thumbs up. All right, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time at the beach. All right.